There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Andy J Podcast. Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the very latest Andy J Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you are having a really, really splendid week. Thank you for taking the time to check out this episode. Today we are joined by one of the nation's favourite Olympians, the wonderful Rebecca Adlington. Now, those of you who are aware of her will be acutely familiar with the fact that she won two gold medals aged just 19 in the swimming pool in Beijing, 400 and 800 metre freestyle. She set colossal records, particularly in the 800 metres. And then, of course, she followed that up with a couple of bronzes in London at 2012. And then she retired, aged just 24. Since then, she has gone on to do a huge number of things, from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, MasterChef, Loose Women and The Jump in terms of telly, to being an advocate for swimming, and she's done a lot of charity work. But she's also been very outspoken about her mental health and a lot of the issues that she's faced thanks to social media. In fact, one of the things that we discussed today is just how ridiculous the reaction was when she was just 19 years old, jumping in the pool, setting all those records for Team GB, and she was checking her phone and getting told she was fat by Brits. Just ridiculous. So she's got a lot to say. Absolutely incredible lady. Really riveting company and a fascinating conversation. Nothing's held back. A couple of other stories that will come up is she's now remarried. She has a new baby with her husband called Andy, who she met on um, the internet, which is a lot of fun. And prior to that, she had been married to a gentleman who came out as bisexual. And obviously, they had a lovely baby girl together, and they still know each other very well for sharing custody and so on. But that's that's all addressed today. Not in a huge way. We're not looking for sort of tabloidy headlines or anything like that. But it's just a very frank and open conversation with the lovely Rebecca Adlington, who she lets me call her Becky. So bless her for that. Thank you so much for taking the time to hear this chat. I can tell you that next week we'll be bringing you a Chinese New Year special with the maestro, Mr. Ken Hom. Can't wait to chat to Ken. But for now, please enjoy Rebecca Adlington. The Andy J Podcast. She is one of the nation's all-time favourite Olympians. And I'm just delighted to be able to converse with her. It is the marvellous Rebecca Adlington. How are you doing, Rebecca? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. I I wasn't sure, Rebecca, whether I should speak to you as Rebecca or Becky, because all your social media feeds, you've you've chosen to call yourself Becky. I just think Becky's more like just relaxed, isn't it? It's less formal. It's unless you're going to tell me off. I feel like I only sometimes get Rebecca from my mum <laughs> if I've like done something bad. <laughs> I hear you. I get Andrew from my mum if I'm in trouble. And then, then you know, you know you're in trouble. But also because you've got an OBE, you know, you sort of think, well, you, you kind of, it's a formal kind of vibe, isn't it? Oh, no. I, I as honest as I am to, to get the OBE, I kind of feel a, a little bit um, of a, what do you think? I feel like I, 
I feel like it's like doctor's letters. Like I, I, I kind of feel like, oh, I don't know. It, it, I never really use it, to be honest, which is um, weird. <laughs> that is such a shame because I would love to know the sort of doors you could open just by using it. Like, would it get you a better... Well, actually, Rebecca, let's start with this. We're taking a tangent already. I apologise. There's so much to discuss, but I'm fascinated at this. I would love to know the currency of an OBE versus a gold medal, an Olympic gold, because you've got both. Okay, I mean, you've got plenty of plenty of medals, two golds, in fact, but let's just talk about one gold versus the OBE. You have both of them. Which oh. do you think is a stronger currency internationally, which will get you, I don't know, a better table at a restaurant or an upgrade in a plane or whatever, whatever it might be. Oh, if we're talking about internationally or worldwide, I would have to say the gold medal because I feel like more people from other countries would recognise that. And especially with kids as well. Like when you go into schools, it's amazing seeing the kids' faces when they see a medal. They just light up. I don't know whether they think it's chocolate or whether they genuinely <laughs> are just impressed that it's a gold medal, but that is pretty special. Yes, no, that would be very cool. Okay, so we're thinking, I'm just trying to work out, it's kind of too late for me, I think, to get an Olympic medal, to be honest with you, Becky. I'm, I'm 44, so I'm not I'm not sure there's going to be a sport. Skateboarding came in, so there's a chance, I guess, if I can get good at that again. But nonetheless, probably out of charge for getting a gold. But you've got one. You might be able to lend me one, perhaps, if it was, I mean, what are we thinking? Do you... Would you whip it out and just kind of, you know, checking into a really fancy hotel, just pop it around your neck just to see? Or is that... I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't say I've ever done that. Definitely, definitely not. I think I'd die with cringe. <laughs> so embarrassed. I'd be like, no! No, I couldn't do that. It would be amazing to know if it works, though, wouldn't it? It would just be like, I mean... Yeah, that's true. I've, that ne- <laughs> I've never really thought about this before, but it's like, could you go, is, is there a club of gold medal winners? Is there like a, have you got like a WhatsApp group or, a, you know, a hangout once every few years or something? Is there a, is there an elite exclusive thing that only golds get involved with? No, but I wish there was because I'd want to be involved. That sounds pretty cool. I think, <laughs> Maybe I should start something. I think you should. I think you should. I mean, there's so, so many connotations for what you could call it, but I, I love the idea of that. Then you could just, you could become the new sort of super brains of the world. All you've proven yourselves physically. Now, I mean, hell, the world needs to be taken by the scruff of its neck at the moment and, and kind of change our thinking. <laughs> you guys could be the ones to do it. Why not? It'd be like a team of superheroes, but <laughs> not much, much powers. Just, <laughs> yeah, just swimming and running and, and different sports. Yeah, but you do it a lot better than all the rest of us. So, you know, that, that <laughs> therefore is a superpower, which I think is an important thing. Now, Becky, I realised as I was kind of reading up about your amazing life, and there's so much I want to talk about, and we're, of course, going to get onto the campaign with Fitbit as well. I promise we'll have a good chat about that in due course. But I realised that you and I have something in common that not many people do, which is pretty fun, which is we're sort of almost parent buddies because your youngest was born the day before my youngest which is properly cute when I read that I was like I looked at the date I was like hang on why does that date look so familiar oh yeah it's the day (laughs) the day when we thought we were gonna go into the hospital and have a baby and we did it 24 hours later how you getting on yeah good um it's just one of those things, like you, you just go through all different things, don't you? And it's kind of different stages and everything else. It's kind of, you come out of one thing, go into another, and then on to the next, and to the next. And uh, I've got a six-year-old as well, so she keeps us on our toes, definitely. But it's definitely all fun and games, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Yes, how's your sleep at the moment? 
Um, it was okay. And then the past three nights, he's just decided, no, nope, at 3 a.m., I am awake and I am here. And then we go, no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's happened the past three nights, but something at 3 a.m. just keeps going, ping, I'm awake. There's something in the water, isn't there? It's just, okay, <laughs> yep, you don't you don't want your parents to have any sleep at all. So th- <laughs> thanks for that. And no one really gets it. I don't know if you're kind of surrounded by other parents. It's kind of different with your second. We're now onto our third. It's kind of different. First time round, you've got this support group of other parents with kids exactly the same age, babies all born within a couple of weeks of each other, and you have that direct comparison. Like if you've got a sleeper or if you haven't, there's someone in the group that has the polar opposite. Like our first, for example, did not sleep at all. And yet it seemed like all our friends had these perfect sleeping babies that went through the whole night and you'd just be constantly comparing yourself to everyone else's level of success because their baby slept better. And you'd be the zombie just kind of going, oh, I'm really happy for you. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. And I think the thing is, the only way you can describe that feeling or the way I describe that feeling is like jet lag. I feel like you just have permanent jet lag Um, because that's the only thing that is comparative to the way that you feel because it's not normal tiredness it's a different sort of tiredness like a jet lag is but yeah with other parents and it is you're so right and and both of my kids are so different Um, and you're right that all your friends have different sort of things but everyone sort of has similar experiences in some way because I don't know anyone that's had multiple kids that are all exactly the same and sleep the same and eat the same and kind of everything like that which no one's going to that's why everyone's so different and that's what makes it so interesting but yeah it's one of those that you just kind of like well the last one slept so why wouldn't this one you just kind of think what's going on Yes, yes, it's bad. And you're so right. It's that, it's that constant jet lag thing. And then if they do have this random s- sort of fluke night where they sleep through the night, you find that you're not sleeping because you're constantly checking to see why aren't they awake? Is everything all right with them? Are they breathing okay? And all that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, we, we have to go in and check and everything. I, I'm exactly one of those parents that you just kind of almost don't want to get into a deep sleep because you're anticipating them waking up anyway. Um, so, yeah, we, we, that's definitely us in our household. Sounds like you and I are on the similar level of sort of slightly foggy brain because exhausted. <laughs> it always is. And I, I don't know how long I can keep using the phrase baby brain or like cause I use pregnant or just got pregnancy brain. And then when my little one, I was like baby brain, but now he's 10 months. So I don't know if I could still keep using it. Yeah, t- totally. You t- I've been using it for nine years, so I think you're all right. <laughs> I feel that the turning point is when he hits one. Then, then fair enough. I can't use it after that. <laughs> okay, couple more months, and then, and then, yeah, fair enough. You'll phase it out. That makes that makes good sense. Uh, now, now, Becky, let's talk about you because you've had, you, you know, you've had the most incredible life. Can we kind of go through it almost sort of chronologically, if that's all right? Because I was, yeah. I was, you know, you were the the third of three girls, which I guess growing up must have meant that was a bit of a bun fight at home, was it? <laughs> It definitely was in our household. And I think the thing is, obviously, by the time I came along, there's there's five years between me and my elder sister and then two between the middle. Um, So it was one of those that we were all sort of in different stages um, with schools and kind of swimming and kind of life and everything else. And it was just one of those that I, as the youngest, I guess, got all my sisters hand-me-downs. But then my sisters saw it as 
well, I wasn't allowed to do that at Becky's age and things change. And, and so, yeah, it was always the way. But to be fair, my sisters are absolutely brilliant. They've always been incredible. Um, even growing up, like I, I used to come back from training. They used to make sure that they cooked me tea. Oh. They used to help me with my homework. Like we were really, really supportive of each other. And I think, yes, we had those arguments at times, but my sisters were absolutely brilliant and still are to this day. Um, so, yeah, I can't fault them in that sense. Oh, it's, it's what a lovely thing to hear. And one thing I've found, I've, I've been privileged to have spoken to a lot of Olympians now. And one thing I've found that seems to be the common theme, apart from having this natural talent and this ability to keep going and this, you know, this amazing sort of next level robustness with, with turning up to training and putting in the extra hours and so on, is this great, incredible mental resilience. You know, that's something that you all, you have to have it, don't you, when you're an elite level sports person. And I was, yeah. I was really interested, and I don't know if this is connected to it, but it feels to a layman like it could be. I was really interested to learn about your sister, Laura, having encephalitis. And so she was on life support for over a month when you were just 15 years old. Now, I've experienced a similar thing with my own younger sister when she was very ill, when I was a similar age. And I know what it does to the sibling when you witness that. It's terrifying. It's frightening. You're constantly on edge. And it does change you as a person, doesn't it? Oh, massively. I think it changed the whole family. Um, I think it was one of those um, with for my parents when they're working and they've got three kids and you're just doing your day-to-day kind of normal routine and then something just comes along and breaks everything down, shocks everyone. And it was just one of those that, uh, yeah, it completely changed the family. It was the first time I'd ever seen my dad cry. It was like one of those moments where the family just, off and we just rallied and we picked up the pieces where we could for different things and it was one of those that it changed from that day to day to us all having that realization how short life is and to cut out pettiness because I was 15 so I was in that right kind of kind of typical teenage year where it was kind of like no mom and no man and, and you know what I'm talking about those oh you were, you were bad company let's be fair 15 15 yeah. years old grumpy third of three daughters <laughs> you will have been terrible company at times for sure yeah <laughs> and I was and I was in that time kind of age whereas actually it stopped all of that and uh, it was kind of like me and my sister helping my mum and dad out my mum and dad were just permanently at the hospital they were permanently doing research and kind of everything else and it was me and my sister that was kind of like okay they want to keep us a little bit of normality so mm. keep going back to school every now and again and I kind of dipped into swimming and things like that and um why kind of Laura was uh, in an in a induced coma so we couldn't really do anything anyway um and it was one of those that yeah it completely completely changed our outlook afterwards after um, even once she got better and she was covering, recovering, I think it just gave us all that kind of right. We've got here and now, um, and I think that's why I really utilised my swimming in that aspect and kind of the way then my career led on because there was always something bigger going on. Yeah. And I think it put things into perspective. I think when you're in a high intense environment like sport or, or kind of other things, um, I think sometimes you can think it's bigger than it is. And actually, put it in perspective, I'm not saving lives here. I'm diving into a pool, putting my hat and goggles on like it's really nothing big or major. And I think having going through something um, that was way bigger than anything else 
um, really helped keep that kind of perspective there. Yes, that's what I was wondering. I was wondering if that experience had kind of forged that toughness and that you know, that approach to life. And it, and it sounds like it absolutely has. I mean, obviously, you were an outlier in the pool anyway. It's not like, you know, at 15, you suddenly learned to swim, you were already training like, a you know, like an Olympian would. But it was, I guess that was that next degree, presumably, once Laura had, had come out of it and was was back to health, that enabled you to just go, right, seize this moment. Yeah, and um, it was really difficult because actually at the time that my sister was ill with encephalitis, I actually had glandular fever and post-viral fatigue. Oh, so I was kind of battling my own little illness going on, not anywhere near the, obviously the same comparison as my sister, but um, it was one of those that I had kind of um, to recover a lot because I had stuff going on for, for my health. Um, so it was kind of one of those that swimming had to um, almost kind of go back to basics. I kind of used swimming as my escape. I used swimming to work on my technique and to kind of be sociable and kind of have a bit of a normality. Um, and then it wasn't until, because it took me probably a good 12 to kind of 14 months to get healthy myself um, in the pool. And it was then that obviously I really kind of seized the opportunity and just was like, I'm go- this is all go um, and kind of give it my all and everything else. So it, it definitely came off the back of that. And I definitely think um, as hard as that time was, it definitely shaped my career path, if you like, um, and definitely made me that kind of mental resilience, that kind of stronger mentally um, in, in the pool of better athlete because of that. Yes, because you've seen the world in a different way. 100%. You can't not, can you, when something like that happens? Yes, it, it's things like that that do define people, isn't it? And they, they change the whole course of your destiny. And of course, we then know what happens. You trained, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of skipping ahead four years here. I hope you don't mind, Becky, but that's, you know, it's, it's rather than go into the minutia of, and then what happened when you were 16 and a half? So, no, let's, so obviously we all know what happened in 2008. You were 19 years old. You were a new name on the scene in terms of worldwide understanding you know there was this maverick young brit getting in the pool in beijing and of course you went and smashed all records particularly in the 800 meters you got two golds uh, and i mean wow that must have been well what was it like uh, yeah exactly that it was just um incredible it was overwhelming it was unexpected it was just joyous and relief and happiness there's so many words that I could use to describe um that time in my life it was just I was just a girl from Mansfield I was kind of the underdog and to come out I didn't even expect it I mean my parents didn't even come out to watch the 400 because nobody expected me to to do it um not even myself my parents said to me after the 400 after my first goal because my 400 was the first they said why didn't you tell us? And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, it was it was that unexpected. Um, so they they obviously did fly out for, for my second race, um, and that was always the plan. Um, but it was one of those. But it was so unexpected, and people could say, well, you must have known something, and we really, really didn't. I think because of that turbulent time leading into the games with illness, my yes. sister's illness, and kind of different things going on. Um, I was just a girl from a small town that just worked really hard in her little club and town. So um, it really was that unexpected. So no one had said to you, you didn't have the coach or anything going, hey, your time's on this stopwatch. You're you're really fast. No one was kind of telling you you had a shot. I think 
was one of those that um, I'd missed out on the Commonwealth Games. So I didn't have the same um, progression that a normal athlete does. So in, uh, normally you go to junior competitions, which I did, and then you go to a Commonwealth Games, Europeans, World Championships, and then you hit an Olympics, you kind of build up to it in a stepping stone. Whereas because I uh, didn't qualify for the Commonwealth Games before Beijing um, a couple of years before because of being ill, um, I missed out on that qualification. So I didn't have the normal stepping stone, if you like. My coach obviously knew to a certain degree, but I think the thing is leading into a, to an Olympic Games, if you're ranked number one, which I was in one of my events, and I was ranked um, kind of in the top fine, kind of finalist for the, for the second event, but it doesn't really mean anything. Whoever's ranked that on paper, it never, ever, I don't think in the history of swimming, who's been ranked in the top eight come out in that exact same order. It just doesn't happen. It's just it's just your entry. It doesn't really mean anything, the rankings before the Olympics, because that's what makes an Olympic Games so special and so exciting to watch that things unexpected happen. And we see 15, 16-year-olds winning or kind of the person expected doesn't win. And I think that's what makes them so exciting and so brilliant. So I think I just knew, even though I was ranked, quite highly going into the game it wasn't necessarily going to be the same outcome um and we hadn't seen everyone has different preparations in their country so we didn't hadn't really seen some people race either so i didn't really know what to expect but i certainly didn't expect that um so yeah it was um an incredible moment and to be honest one that i still i still remember those moments so clear like it was only yesterday um, and I think that'll always be the case that those memories are just so dear and special to me that it will always seem like it was just last week. I love that I, and I love that it's so vivid as well because for some people it just becomes a sentence or you know you, you know when you see a photograph from years ago and actually you find that the memory is just you remembering the picture but if you've yeah. still got that if you can still feel it if you can still remember it all as clearly as you do then that's wonderful that's marked with you for life isn't it? Definitely, 100%. There's no forgetting that. <laughs> you're listening to the Andy J Podcast, and we really appreciate having you here with us. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a lovely review and perhaps five stars and subscribe wherever you're listening, as it really does help. The Andy J Podcast. Oh, that's just so great. And so that must have been, you know, you're 19 years old, you're a double gold Olympian the world effectively at your feet you know here we go I mean just how drastic was it when you got on the plane home how much had life changed we didn't realize when we got on the plane home I think it wasn't until we landed um I mean the plane home was pretty special because they got the whole plane they painted the front of it gold we all flew home (laughs) as a team um, and because I had won multiple medals, they kind of upgraded different people to different classes, depending on the, what medals you won and everything else. So I ended up being in first class. And it was the most incredible thing of my life. I was literally like, oh, my God, you get pajamas and you get like all, your choice of meal. And it was just so exciting. And then what made it even more exciting is seeing these other Olympians like Chris Hoy and people in the same bit and the most incredible thing was seeing princess Anne in the same bit and you're like oh my gosh she's there and it was just that that was unbelievable in itself but then landed home and it wasn't until we landed and there was all these people kind of on the runway and i'd never seen that before 
Um, and I was kind of like, what is all these people that walk outside? I thought something was wrong with the plane. I thought something had happened and there had been an emergency and they had had to evacuate the airport or something. And it wasn't until we stepped off the plane that I saw all the cameras and that I was like, okay, this is, they're here for us. And I just could not believe it. And the just kind of the support and the kind of overwhelming um, media and the press and people wanting to talk to me or have a photo with me. And I kind of couldn't get my head around it at all. I was just too like, when somebody would come up and go, can I have a photo? I'd be like, yeah, why? Well, I, I kind of didn't understand. I, I was re- it really shocked me. I kind of, I wasn't really prepared for it. Not that you can ever be, um, but it was definitely uh, a huge overwhelming moment. I think I just clung to Chris Hoy for like six months. I followed him around like a shadow because he just knew what he was doing. And he helped me so much going, Becky, this is what you do. He was almost became my coach because I was like, Chris, where do I go? What do I do? And, when we went to Buckingham Palace, I was just panicking at all these rules that you've got to follow and that you can't do certain things. And I just freaked out. And Chris just used to look at me and go, Becky, it's okay. Breathe. I've got you. Just follow me. And I was like, okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, how lovely. And what about day-to-day life outside of going to Buckingham Palace and getting off planes to, to kind of adoring fans and so on? Had things changed in the supermarket and at home and all that sort of stuff? The thing is, my day-to-day routine had never changed um i went back to the same thing of going to training getting up at 5 a.m doing two hours in the pool going to physio going to my um gym sessions etc etc so that kind of day-to-day stuff was exactly the same as it was before i guess the difference is like you say i'd be doing my food shopping and somebody would be like are you that summer lady and i'd be like yeah and it, that that was what was different um and that whole side of things changed but at the same time, my day-to-day hadn't. So I guess I still felt that bit of normality there because my routine was exactly the same. Yes, it's not like you got home and you were now driving a Rolls-Royce, for example, or being <laughs> or being driven in a Rolls-Royce. It was that no. One? no, 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 good. So that's you didn't kind of move suddenly into a penthouse with a Rolls. That makes uh, that makes sense. That's quality. But the other no, thing... my little Corsa wasn't quite the same as the Rolls-Royce. <laughs> <laughs> But the other thing, Becky, that, that that happened, which I've read about, and, and I'm I'm sort of still trying to get my head around what this must have been like, because it, it strikes me as being an absolute nonsense, of course, was it was the emergence of social media. And, yeah. and, and this is kind of connected to what we're going to be talking about in a moment as well. The thing that I'm really struggling with is you've just delivered like a hero. You've just performed amazingly well. You've represented the nation in the most incredible way and the, the kind of outpouring of joy and amazement and wonder and, and heroics. And yet on this little thing called Twitter, social media, you're getting nonsense comments from people you'll never meet being completely unpleasant for, 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 for reasons nobody will ever understand. I mean, what was that like? Um, exactly what you've just said, to be honest. Um, I still don't understand it to this day. And I think I tried to find those answers quite early on. I was like, oh, my gosh, what what have I done to you? And and I used to take it so personally um, and getting so caught up thinking, oh, my gosh, how have I offended this person for them to send me that? Um, and it actually took a, a long time to realize actually, I'd done nothing. They, I'd never met this person. I didn't know this person. Um, and like I said, I, I, I could never understand it. I've never sent a um, even strongly worded message, if you like, on social media to somebody, let alone something nasty or aggressive or kind of anything else. So I think 
I, I'm one of those people, and I, I, I don't know about other people, but I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes um, and try and kind of understand things that way. But I just could never understand um, the kind of the drive behind that. So I guess that was really difficult to deal with because I just couldn't understand it. Um, and also, it was so not based on my swimming. The thing is, as an athlete, you get very used to being critiqued. 100% that's, that was what my coach's job was, to find those little areas of improvement and those mistakes and then correct them and then move forward. Mm. So we were so used to analyzing things in that way. And hey, if somebody sent me a message going, oh, your left elbow was a little bit low or you didn't um, tactically race that well, fair enough. I was like, yeah, 100% and I'm learning from that and I, I really appreciate that valuable insight, 100%. But it was all based on my appearance. And that's what I never understood because I was like, I didn't realize that was a criteria to be a swimmer, that you had to be a certain size or a body shape or pretty. Um, so I just never understood that sort of things because if I was trying to be a model or kind of anything else, 100% I would, un- I would understand. But um, I didn't understand that that was a criteria. So I, I just didn't understand how it affected other people. How does me being attractive affect how I swim through the water and affect getting a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze medal, whatever it is. So uh, it's, it's a very hard thing to get your head around and one that um, I'm very appreciative that they have a block button because that's exactly what I used to do, just block everyone. Yes, yes. But I mean, I, I struggle with trolls. I just don't, I just cannot understand for the life of me why anyone would do it. But But one of the things that I've read, Becky, and I had to reread this four or five times because it, it not only is it couldn't be further from the truth, I sort of think, well, why on earth would you say this to Becky? You were accused by one of the things the trolls went for is they called you fat. Is that right? Oh, all the time. Oh, it's fat. always based on my body, my looks. It's always based on kind of appearance. And I guess the thing is, people in their head um, might associate which um, it is wrong is that to be an athlete, you are thick thin. Or I think that's so far from it. I think you need to be strong. For me, I'd rather look strong than thick thin. I think it's this perception of kind of what you should look like. And I think there is a perception to be an athlete that you're a size eight, that you're kind of that body shape. And it's simply not true. For me, um, if I had lost more weight as, as, as an athlete, um, I would have lost some of my power. I was a distance swimmer. I wasn't a, a sprinter. I'm not trying to move through the, the top of the water super, super fast. I'm trying to, I need endurance. I need that power there. So I guess it, it's completely different in that. Don't get me wrong. There has definitely been times since I've retired that I'm definitely not on that uh, scale anymore, uh, especially from having two kids and everything else. But again, why is my body, why does me being a size 12 or 14 affect anybody else's life it really doesn't so i'm not harming anyone by being a size 12 or 14 woman so i'm like leave me leave me be i'm not judging your body shape so don't judge mine no precisely precisely how much has this affected your mental health becky because i can't imagine it you know from you by the sound of things you've taken quite a lot of these comments to heart especially initially that i mean that must have been awful oh early on it definitely was i was 19 um i was still a baby um and i think that that was uh, definitely difficult and it was hard for people around me as well it was hard for my mum and dad to see people saying this about their little girl mm. um that was really difficult and it's been hard for different partners that i've had over those years 
Um, and it's been very, very difficult, like I said, because I used to take it so personally. Um, and it's, it certainly has, to, even to this day, I still think, oh, when I'm going to an event or if I know I'm going to be photographed in some way, whatever it is that I'm going to, I seriously have to think, okay, what, what are people going to say? Does this, I, I constantly have to think, or not, not because I have to, but I guess it's made me go, okay, do I look big in this? Am I, like, how will this be seen? How will this be photographed? And you kind of have to think about, or I feel like I have to think about certain things um, from that aspect rather than just going, oh, I feel nice in this, let's go. Um, So I guess it's not just the case of how I feel. I have to kind of check it with multiple people and how's this going to be photographed and everything else because I am so worried about getting those messages or kind of having that negative kind of just realization about things it's like when I got my OBE I got so much so many messages about the dress that I wore to get my OBE um I now don't have one picture up in my house of me getting an OBE from oh. the queen even though it's one of the most incredible days and it was one of my mum and dad's because my mum and dad went with me one of my favorite days was my mum and dad because they just loved it um and yeah I don't have one photo because it's such a I look at it and instead of seeing oh that was the day I got my OB from the queen I I do think back to all those messages and all those comments that I guess so it it does ruin experiences of course it does because you can't help it I'm, I'm only human it's going to affect things like that. But um, I definitely get them less now. So I don't want to complain too much about it because they are less and less. Um, and I people realize they don't get attention from me on social media if they're going to message me that because I will just block and report you. Um, so I think they've given up a, a little bit as well. So I'm definitely in a much better place with social media now. Good. But I mean, it's just so unnecessary you've had to go through that, though. I don't understand why human beings can be such jerks to others for no real reason. It just kind of... I mean, what have they got out of it? You know, it's just, it just makes no sense to me at all. Um, <clears throat> anyway, sorry, back to back to the pool and achievements and all the rest of it, Becky. Obviously, 2012, London 2012, you got two bronze medals, which I've, I've read you weren't thrilled about, but it's still two bronze medals. I mean, that's still pretty great, isn't it? Have, has hindsight made that better for you? Oh, I'm massively proud of my bronze medals. Um, I think it was one of those that, as an athlete, um, you are constantly striving to get better. Um, you are one of those that you constantly want to improve. So you strive for perfection as an athlete. So I'm not, I was never, and I still will never be proud of the time that I swam, especially for the 800 meters, because it was so far off the mark of what I knew I was capable of and what was my personal best. But I'm certainly proud of the 400. That was the fastest I swam at that time and because the suits don't work go to it too heavy into the swimming detail but the the suits had changed and things like that so I'm, I'm massively proud of the 400 the 800 I'm proud in a different way I might not be proud of the time that I swam but I'm proud of that I never gave up I'm proud that I could have eased off even 0.5% to ease the pain and yet I didn't I didn't give up even though I was I couldn't I didn't have anything else to give I gave my absolute all so I'm proud in that sense of the way I handled myself the kind of resilience that I had in that race um, and to win any medal at home Olympics I'm, I'm incredibly proud of as well too right absolutely and then you retired just the next year tw- at 24 years old why why so young Part of it was um, there were so many different things going on. 
Um, one of them being my body is, could not keep doing the same level. Um, swimming is such a young sport that I've been doing this kind of hard 5 a.m., really pushing my body to the limit since I was about 11 years old. Um, and it, I just couldn't recover as quick. I was getting shoulder injuries and different things happening that my body simply couldn't kind of keep up with that same level. Um, and the the main thing was I started my Learn to Swim program after London because the whole Olympic motto was inspire a generation and the whole legacy and everything else. And actually, um, I realized I was more passionate about that than I was getting back in the pool. I think we always take a break after an Olympic season. And in that break, I was like, right, I want to set up my own Learn to Swim program. And I started working on it. And I just found that, hold on. I woke up every day and thought about that rather than getting back in the pool. And I think my passion just simply changed um, and developed. And it was still very much swimming. My life has always been swimming. Swimming has always been connected to me in some way, whether it's learn to swim, whether it's the, the stuff that I do for the Olympics and being a pundit and or kind of from an elite perspective, being an athlete. But I felt like I had just, I was ready for that transition into the next department of swimming if you like yes um and i just found it so rewarding um doing the learn to swim stuff and seeing these kids faces light up and learning a life skill and um swimming is obviously it was a great passion but it was a very selfish thing you have to be very selfish to be an olympic athlete of course you do because it's you kind of achieving your dream Whereas I just loved that it was helping others and I just found it way more rewarding and that's what I wanted to do every day. So it kind of felt a natural time to retire really after a home Olympics. I wasn't going to get better than a home Olympics, was I? That's a very fair point. No, that makes complete sense now that you've explained it. Thank you for that, Becky. Um, I want to talk about what it's like being married and a parent and all the rest of it shortly, but I think this is a really good time to talk about this campaign you're doing with Fitbit. Stay, staying strong in and out of the pool. What does strong mean with you? And I, I think this was really interesting. You can explain it better than I can, but one of the things that stood out for me is that Fitbit did a, a poll, didn't they, of people, and 83% of people say that strong is more than just physical it's not just about being physically strong and i think from from what you've shared with us already that marries up with your experience of of life as well oh exactly that i think as an athlete um i used to think of it definitely as okay i'm in physical shape and um, i'm physically strong um as well as a little bit mental because obviously you do need that mental aspect to be an athlete and then it completely changed and developed um, once I retired and became a parent, what strong meant to me. Um, and it definitely included more of that emotional and mental aspect. Um, and I think it's um, something for me now that being strong is being positive. It's about a healthy balance. It's about self-care. It's about loads of other things. Um, obviously, going and doing exercise is really important for our health. Of course it is. And of course, we need to be physically strong to be able to grow old and handle the the day-to-day -day things that we need to be able to do, picking up boxes, whatever it is that you're doing, picking up the kids and whatever. You don't know strength until you've had to carry a, a child uphill, do you? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> On your shoulders with another one. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. So there's definitely things that obviously I want to stay strong physically to, to help me be a good parent and just me carry on and live a healthy life. But it definitely means more than that. And I think I love the fact that Fitbit are doing this strong commitment because I feel like 
we all set New Year's resolutions and don't really stick to them. That's not right. I, I don't ever make them because I know I'm not going to stick to them. Whereas actually setting an achievable goal and a commitment is something that I think is way more um, achievable. For me, my strong commitment is to look after myself. If I don't look after myself, um, I'm not going to be able to be a good parent or be a, a good at my job and everything else. So I think we need to realize that actually um, having an extra 10 minutes in bed or kind of looking after ourselves when you're feeling run down to get back to that health is sometimes more important than I've got to get up to go in the gym yeah. and I've got to get up to do this. And I think having that commitment uh, really solidifies that and helps me achieve it. Yes, and to not beat yourself up mentally, to just be like, this is how I'm feeling today, let's go with it. Exactly. I think the thing is we accept so many different things. You accept when you're tired or you accept if, oh, I'm sore from that workout. But actually, when we're just not having a good day or just feel a bit off the, off the pace, we don't really talk about that or accept that. And I think actually those days of looking after yourself are just as important. If you need a day in your pyjamas or having a bath or kind of watch it, reading a book on the sofa well then we need to give ourselves that that side of things as well we can't just cater to the physical all the time of tiredness or being sort of kind of the rest of it we need to kind of cater to, to the emotional and the mental aspects as well otherwise to me that isn't about being strong because you're actually only catering to one aspect of your life and not the whole package Yes, yes, I really like this. And I'm really pleased that Fitbit have, have commissioned this report because it's, it's a good read. So I recommend anyone checks it out. I believe you can just find out more by uh, searching for Fitbit online, can't you? Yeah, so if you go into the Fitbit um, Instagram and Facebook channels, um, it's all there. And I think it's hopefully people will start to share their strong commitments because sometimes you go, well, hold on, what's going to be mine? And actually looking at other people's, it's really, really interesting what they perceive as strong and what their commitments are. Um, And I think, yeah, for me, it was great seeing it all. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Now, Becky, I've been looking at what you've been doing since retiring and of course you know you've mentioned this amazing campaign that you have as well getting people in the pool which is wonderful but you've been busy outside of all that as well from I'm a celebrity and master chef and the jump and loose women you know professionally you've had a lot on and then personally as well you know as you mentioned you've got two children now you're 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 just you've just remarried which is amazing uh, is it okay if I speak to you a little bit about your 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 husbands because you've I think you've got really interesting stories about both of them if if that's all right. <laughs> yeah. You always have to tread carefully. It's the first time we've made friends, Becky. So, I, you know, I don't want to sort of overstep, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Um, but I, I'm going to talk to you about Bumble in a moment because I, I think the idea of a celebrity on a dating app is amazing. So we'll, we'll come on to that in a second, if that's OK, because <laughs> that was a brave move. Um, but the first one is about your first marriage to Harry. And of course, that that has come to an end, but you, you still share custody of Summer and so on. But he has quite openly sort of explained to the world that he's bisexual uh, and been very sort of keen to point out that has nothing to do with your divorce did that excuse me for prying but did that play a big part in your marriage um I think it was one of those for for myself that obviously um I was very young as well um as was Harry this was kind of five six years ago now that um we ended so it was 2011 that I met Harry so a long time ago now um, and I think it's one of those that you're still finding out yourself at those periods, not only with Harry trying to discover who he was and the person he was going to be, um, and as was I. And I think it's one of those that both 
rehab summer, like you've openly said. And for me, I support Harry because it doesn't affect his ability to parent. Mm. At the end of the day, what Harry's personal life is up to Harry. Um, that's not for me to comment on. That's his personal life. Whereas actually as a parent, he's a fantastic dad. And that's the only thing that matters to me um, is obviously because of, of summer. And he's a fantastic dad. None of that um, affects your ability to parent somebody. No, no, exactly. It's it just sort of sounds like cheap headlines when you go any further, doesn't it? It's it's is is this guy a good guy and is he a good dad? End of story, really, isn't it? Exactly that, and that's all that matters to me. Obviously, um, we obviously are connected always, forevermore with Summer. But I, and obviously, we are friends and we are there to support each other and help each other. But the rest of it, we live our own lives. I have my relationship with Andy in my life, my day to day job, and Albie and other things, and Harry has his. Um, so it works very well at the minute. Good, good. Well, long may that continue. And and now, of course, Andy, who you you married just in last August, just last August, wasn't it? You got married, uh, and I believe yeah. you you managed a whole two days honeymoon, which is part of the challenges of parenting in lockdown and, <laughs> and all the rest of it, isn't it? Which is which is a struggle. But I alluded to it about how you guys met on a dating app, and I mean, what was that like when you made the decision? As a celebrity, as a famous face, as somebody that everyone in the nation knows, we, we all know you, probably worldwide, everybody knows who you are. So you must be mindful when you're going on and putting a photograph up of yourself and all the rest of it. I mean, what do you write in your, in your profile blurb and so on? <laughs> um, to be fair, not many people do know who I am. So I think it's one of those that um, it was kind of, I got to the place where I was ready to date again and, um, every single one of my friends was on a dating app. It seemed to have changed um, that you didn't meet people out anymore or kind of a friend of a friend. All my friends that I'd asked, do you know anyone single? They were like, no. So it was kind of that natural step that if I wanted to get out there and date, that I kind of had to take that unnervy step of online dating. And I've heard some shocking stories. I think we all have from friends and people, haven't we? But um, it was one of those that I was like, okay, I'll give it a go and I'll try Bumble, et cetera, because the girl talks first. So hopefully I won't get bombarded with messages or things like that. And it was just, it was a really pleasant experience, to be honest. Um, I, You don't put in your surname, so I just put in Becky in my age. Um, it wasn't like my profile picture was me with my medals. I didn't include <laughs> any of that. I included very normal day-to-day photos, and I just wrote exactly what I am, which was um, just into sport. I'm a mum, and um, I love my family, friends, and I'm a foodie. And that's exactly what I am and how I consider myself. So there was no mention of anything else. Um, and I got chatting to Andy, who had no clue who I was at all, um, which was lovely. And it wasn't until he said to me, oh, sh- should we follow each other on social media? I was like, yeah, okay, because obviously we didn't know each other's surnames and things by that stage. So sent each other their pro- our profiles, and that's when the penny dropped for Andy. <laughs> yeah, I Okay, um, but he, he loves sport. He wasn't phased by anything. Um, he's not massively into swimming. He went to the London Olympics, but to watch cycling and other sports, definitely wasn't into swimming um, and stuff. But at the same time, he, he's, a, he's a sport fan and kind of loves all of that and didn't bother him at all. 
And yeah, it just he was my first ever online dating experience and now we're married with a with a child. So perfect. That is a success rate that, that I don't think many people can uh, can share. That's <laughs> that's quite brilliant. What a lovely story. So you didn't have that sort of awkward moment of uh, hi, yeah, can I see your golds? There wasn't any of that. No, no. Good. And he wasn't bothered at all. I don't think we even ever really had the how was the Olympic chat it, we never even had that like he I, I kind of because it was so far I think I met Andy in 2018 so obviously London was kind of six years before yeah. that so it kind of wasn't relevant to have those conversations we were talking about what we were doing in our lives now and our lives at that point so there was no need to brilliant Brilliant. Oh, well, happy days. Becky, what a pleasure it's been chatting to you. You're, you're so real, actually. You know, the, I speak to a lot of celebrities who, who, you know, you kind of get bits and pieces of information out of them and it's, it's, it's a nice chat, but you never quite feel that you've, you've had the truth. Whereas talking to you, it's, you're just very honest and really open. I thank you so much for that. No, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, what's next for you? Tell me what 2022 has. Um, 2022 has a lot. I'm opening up a pool in my hometown and hopefully uh, continuing the message of swimming. We've got the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham this year as well. Um, so it's hopefully going to be an exciting year. It's going to be brilliant. And of course, you know, out of nappies, potty training, all that stuff too. <laughs> Of course, all of the normal parenting stuff. First steps, et cetera, et cetera. Brilliant. Oh, well, look, have a wonderful year, Becky, and thank you so much for your company. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Great to speak. Take care. All the best. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Andy J Podcast. Wasn't she lovely? I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you so much to Becky for that lovely chat. And thank you especially to you for taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. We'll be back same time, same place next week. But it's a podcast, isn't it? We just upload and you choose when you hear us. So thank you for that with the brilliant Ken Hom talking all things Chinese New Year and the power of the walk. I can't wait. Have a great week. Make someone smile. Take it easy. J Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.